Roll for initiative. Adventures. I'm your host, Heath, and I want to welcome you to another glorious episode of Everyday Dungeon Master, a podcast for the everyday DM and the players who love them. Today's episode is all about how, as Dungeon Masters and Game Masters, we can find ways to incorporate one of the most important elements of the game, in my opinion, and that is character backstories. Depending on your players, some might spend hours writing quality backstory, and then a lot of times it just gets left in the dust or... It never really gets to, you know, come to light or, or, or be worked into a story and it kind of dies out and it leaves the character kind of feeling, you know, unfulfilled. So let's change that and let's explore ways to change that. So that's the goal for today's episode. Today's guest dungeon master loves the game and when he's not playing or planning, he enjoys doing graphic design work and photography. So please welcome to the show, dungeon master, Jonathan. Hello. Good to be here. Dude, it's great to have you. Thank you so much for coming on. I know. It's been so long. I've been so excited for this. So, yeah, it's going to be fun. Well, I hope I hope that your experience lives up to the hype that you created and that you have a gr- <laughs> and that you have a great time. Always. <laughs> uh, so, let's go ahead and jump straight away into our DM icebreakers. So, Jonathan, how long have you been a DM for? Ooh, I have been a DM for about seven years, I think. About 2015 is when I started playing. Um, oh, wait, no, playing was 2015. I started DMing in, like, 2017. So, three to five years, something like that. Awesome. And uh, so what made you, so you said you played for a couple of years first. So then what made you take the leap? What made you decide, you just said to yourself, you know, hey, man, like, I'm going to jump into DMing. What was that? Um, that was kind of a twofold thing. Um, one, I've always enjoyed writing stories. Um, so I've, I've written a lot of stories. So it was part of me was just kind of wanting to, you know, actually make those stories come to life and DMing was the opportunity for that. The other side of it was I wanted to play DM or I wanted to play D and D some more, but I couldn't find anyone who was willing to be a DM. So I'm like, you know what, if no one else is going to be the DM, I'll just be it and go from there. Dude. I feel like that is the story for so many players out there who become DMs. It's like, it's, there's such a shortage of DMs in the market, mm-hmm. in the community. I agree. In the market. Like it's, oh, I was going to say, like, I was going to make a joke like it's a commodity, but really, honestly, DMs are a commodity for sure. They, they really are. And it's funny that I, I couldn't find anyone to DM. And so I started this group and I'm currently in a group. And in the group, there's like three other people who have DM'd before. So <laughs> it's because there's so many DMs out there that are starved to like play. Yes. And they can never find a group to play. So they always feel like they have to be the DM. So here's here's what we're saying. Bottom line. Okay, this episode's gonna wrap right now because here's here's the tip. <laughs> it's just gonna be that you out there as a listener, if you're listening and you've never DM'd before, for the love of God, can you please just DM one time? I would love to be a player. No, I'm just joking. No pressure, no pressure. But you still you should you should try to DM, but no pressure. it's easy don't worry about it yeah it's a breeze nothing to it (laughs) so what would you say your dm style is like definitely improv um definitely rule of cool to an extent i don't want to break the physics of the game but definitely improv and yeah i just kind of 
I kind of view the rules as guidelines to how I can make my improv work, if that makes sense. No, that definitely makes sense. I think I'm very similar in that. Like, I, I don't want to, you know, the rules are there for a reason, but I, at the same time, I definitely want my players to have fun. And so I vary. Some sessions I'm like real strict and I'm like, nah, you're not, you're not going to do that. And some sessions I'm like, dude, whatever you want to do, just do it. I don't care anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sometimes it's good to just let the rules go and let them do what they wanted to do so that they can see the folly of what they were actually trying to do. Like, yeah, you're the one who jumped off a cliff. Like, what, what am I going to do here? Right, exactly. Like, you, did you really expect to survive a 100-foot drop? Like, I don't know what to tell you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you slapped his mom. What did you think was going to happen? <laughs> oh, that's really funny. Well, okay, so that's really, that's, I mean, that's cool. I, I feel like, you know, I feel like that's probably the most prevalent. And I mean, just from talking to a bunch of DMs, I feel like that's the prevalent style is kind of a a blend, you know? But so Jonathan, give us one good memorable gameplay moment that lives with you as a player or as a DM. So what makes this one so special is it happened to me not only as a player, but also as a DM. One of my favorite races to play is the Minotaur. And I freaking love the Minotaur. And I played this guy who, and as a player... I um we were in this dungeon and we couldn't get this door to unlock. So I was like, you know what? He's a Minotaur barbarian. This shouldn't be a problem. I'm just gonna ram through the door. <laughs> Turns out I got my horn stuck in the door. So I was just like stuck there. But then I got a strong enough strength check that I could pull the the door off the hinges, but I couldn't go through the door. So I'm just like this Minotaur, and I forget exactly how it all happened, but I ended up being like a bridge because I just let the door from my home like cover this gap. And then the funny thing about that is it was about two years later and I'm running a campaign and there's a character who's a minotaur um, whose name is murder and he's a minotaur barbarian and they are fighting this witch and he charges at the witch's hut and um, he rolls like this kind of mediocre strength check. So I'm like, you know what? Your horns get stuck in the wall. <laughs> I now all I like I take away from that story is that now I just want to go play a Minotaur. Yes. They're so much and fun. I'm gonna just whatever I'm gonna play it and like whatever the DM like I'm just gonna be like, I'm gonna try as, as much as possible to get my horn stuck in something. <laughs> it's not hard. Not hard to do. So you ended up being a bridge. So like how did that work? Did you just like jump off and like let the door catch a gap so that you could people could walk walk across? I think it was similar to that. That or I did like a handstand on the door that, and the door was like covering the gap of the bridge. They might have taken the door off my horns. I don't – it was all a blur. It all happened so fast and really <laughs> once you've hit your head into a door, it's so dazed and confused after that. You really have no idea what's happening. It's like a minotaur with like a with an, with like a, a t- plus eight on their like acrobatics. <laughs> They're just yeah. doing like backflips and – you're like a school mascot. I mean, I could do a whole backstory on this. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> He's flipping around and ooh, a minotaur acrobat. That would be a that would Dude, be a thing. I'm telling you, I'm telling you and your backstory, you're a college mascot, mm-hmm. uh, but you just never you didn't have a costume. You were you were you were the you were the minotaur. I got it. You're you're a college mascot who went rogue. Yes, who went rogue. I love it. And instead of tossing cheerleaders, they toss, I don't know. I couldn't think of anything fast enough. (laughs) Uh, Fill in the gaps. Anyway, uh, 
So that's, I mean, that's an amazing story. So give us a, give us a moment of absolute fail again, either as a DM or as a player, but like one of your b- biggest fails. I could just say the same thing. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I would have to say as a DM, this is probably like the worst kind of fail that you can have. And it was during my first campaign. I made this trap that people were on and it was supposed to be this super easy trap that like no one it just like it was a little puzzle that people need to figure out and there was no like actual danger to it but i i made up like this because i thought you know i'm the dm i can just make everything up and everything will be fine and um i made up like this goo it was like this pink goo that started rising from the bottom of the dungeon it was Mm -hmm. pretty easy to escape um, but one of my players decided that he wanted to set it on fire. Um, oh, no. So I was like, okay, sure, why not? It can be flammable. This guy, he rolled ones for like the next 30 <laughs> minutes. And it ended up killing his character. Because uh... he just got trapped in this goo, which like started eating his body away in acid. And I felt bad as DM because I'm like, I made such an easy trap to get around. And then just everything fell apart, and this poor guy lost his character over it. And so, yeah, that was probably a memorable uh, absolute fail as as far. I try not to kill characters in my campaign, though it can happen. Uh, well, you know, and honestly, kind of sounds like they did it to themselves a little bit. So they did, yeah. I'll... It's not Jonathan. It's not your fault. All right. No, <laughs> it is. Definitely... He he was an evil character anyway, so he deserved it. And that's if dope. you listen to this, he'll know who's who I'm talking about. So, you know, it's fine. Absol- yeah. Absolutely. Listen, he had it coming. Yeah. Don't die in a flaming pot of Pepto-Bismol. That's the yeah. uh, that's the takeaway there. I was going to say, yeah, that Pepto-Bismol is flammable and most people yeah. don't know it. But keep away from fire. They, they, You know what? They should put that on the label. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, dude, thank you so much for sharing those stories, man. I could talk stories all day, but we got a sh- we got a show to get to. So let's just jump into it. So, Jonathan, I got to start by asking a practical question. Mm. What are some of your strategies for incorporating character backstory into your story as a DM? So do you sprinkle elements of them in as like the story unfolds or do you dedicate like whole story arcs to character backstories? Typically both at certain times, depending on what um, is called for. Um, like if a character needs to leave, if, if a player needs to leave the campaign unexpectedly, I'll try to get through their story as much as possible, um, before they have to leave the campaign. Um, so sometimes we'll have to dedicate an entire episode or even a couple sessions to that, but preferably I love to just do that slow unroll of the onion, peel back layer by layer and sprinkle it all throughout the campaign. And, um, I just love that. When you get little hints that leave a little mystery, but give a little bit of background, which leads to more questions, I feel like that really gets your players involved and invested in the game. Dude, absolutely. I, I, There's so many moments that I can point to in my campaign where I've revealed like a small sliver of a character backstory, you know, in like a, in like an NPC that showed up on, on the scene or, or, or something else, like an event that took place. And it's like, when it's done right and just like done with just that little bit, like you said, it's like it it leaves like a wow factor at the table. It can at least leave a wow factor at the table or like a gasp of like, 
oh my god what is who is this what's the, what, what do they mean to you why are they here da, 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 you know mm-hmm. i love those. those little moments with just leave your players speechless is fantastic yeah man that's i i, I totally agree i love leaving my players speechless uh, in my current campaign i'm kind of doing a little bit of both i upcoming if my players are listening to this i'm gonna be very vague so they don't they don't uh but what am i i'm not i'm who am i kidding my players don't listen to my podcast oh. uh <laughs> No, but if my players are listening to this, uh, basically, I mean, upcoming, there's going to be some like large arcs that are going to be dedicated to some some people's backgrounds. Um, mm-hmm. But we just got out of a or we're, we're kind of finishing up like a time travel segment in our current arc where we time travel to a couple different backstories. And uh, it's been it's been kind of a ride. Been making it up, making it up as I go, because nice. <laughs> yeah, things just went off the rails. But that's awesome. Yeah, no, it's it's so fantastic. And there's some things going on in my campaign that actually some things in our, just our last session was a big reveal for a couple of different players. Um, so it was just a lot of fun to peel back those onion slices. Absolutely. Um, so kind of what I said at the top, you know, I, I personally think that backstories are such a vital part of the game. So if you agree with mm-hmm. that, like, why do you, like, why do you believe, why, why do you believe they're such a vital part? Oh man. Cause like I said earlier, it gets everyone involved and invested, right? And backgrounds are so vital because that's what makes it, for me at least, that's what makes it fun. I love a good story. I, Like I said, I used to write stories. I w- I'm an avid reader. And so anything with a story, if the story's good, I'm in it. And so for me, backstories are so vital for that because it just, it makes everything fun. And it feels like the character's, are part of the story. So many times as a player, I, I've sat down at a table and I'm like, you know, this story could be going on whether my character is here or not, and it really wouldn't change a thing. Yeah. But when you feel like you're a part of the world that you're campaigning in, that just adds a whole new level of realism and makes you feel like you're special and that like your your team needs you, you know, because this is what's going on. Dude, absolutely. It like draws you in as a player, even if it's not your backstory, it can draw you in deeper into the game, which I think is the goal, right? Overall. Yeah. And it's gotten to the point with like my current campaign, the storylines are so involved and and going on that like my players get ticked that if we have to miss a session or if someone can't make it to a session and it's not so much that they're mad that they can't play D&D, but they're like, they're waiting for the next thing to drop. And they're mm. like, we can't go another week without knowing what happens. Yeah. Um, so those are fun. You know what that tells me? It tells me that you're an all-star DM. That's what it says. Well, I'm no Matt Mercer, but, <laughs> you know, I try. You know, listen, Matt Mercer is a one-of-a-kind one, uh, one individual, uh, but you sound like you have all the right qualities. So it's great. Well, what do you look for in a backstory? So, you know, as your characters are creating them and they're getting ready to play the campaign, are there certain elements that you require your players to incorporate? Like they have to have a bad guy in their backstory or they have to, you know, X, Y, Z. Or do you kind of just like let them write whatever they want and then you just use whatever they give you? All of the above, honestly. I, I try not to box in their backstory by having like you can't be this you can't be that or you're required to be this or that but i i am happy to use whatever they give me and whatever they decide to 
come up with. I, I love hearing their creative ideas and just going with it. I'll, I'll provide input and, you know, advice on certain elements to make sure it works better. Mm-hmm. But I do have a few like requirements that I always try to get in there to just make the story more interesting. One of the things is I always ask, like, is there someone that you're an enemy with? Is there some kind of villain in your background story, someone that you need to get to? And then I always ask, is there some kind of person that you're looking for that you're trying to protect Mm -hmm. or, you know, someone that you love and someone that you hate one of the, one of those two. And then the third thing that I always ask is what is your obstacle that you're trying to get across to be able to defeat this thing that you hate? What are you trying to get around? So what do you love? What do you hate? And what's your obstacle? That's, that's awesome. And and that's a great way to look at it. I, I think that I, I can take away something from that and learn from that too. And, and, uh, you know, asking for certain elements like that and then getting that answer across the board from all your characters can really help you develop, a, develop a story down the road. Right. Those are some great, uh, some great tips and some great, uh, questions to ask your, your players. Thanks for sharing, man. Yeah. So do you have any tips for players out there on, on how to craft a good backstory uh, that will aid their DM in incorporating their hard work into the story at all? Oh man, that's a great question. I'm so glad you asked that. Cause that's, that's a key to it, right? Is just because it's a player who are creating things. And my tip would be to create a detailed but vague background, if that works. Like you're detailed on to what has happened, but you're also vague enough that the DM can incorporate it into into the story, into the the main plot of things. So I always like to call it like being set in jello, right? You, you have a form, <laughs> you have a mold that you're go, good with, but you trust your DM enough to play with that jello and add things to it or jiggle it around, you know, to just add a little flavor here and there. So being flexible, but also having a good idea of who your character is. I, yeah, I guess that, that part's part of the background as well is knowing your character, like their personality, who are they as a person? How do they react to different situations? And that can inform your background so much as well. Absolutely. So kind of a follow-up question to that is, is do you, do you look for a certain length, you know, like, so for example, I've given, I've had characters, uh, players in my, in my campaigns who turn in like a sentence to two sentences. Mm -hmm. And I've had players give me like, three or four word doc pages mm-hmm. of backstory now not now knowing that not everyone's going to be that you know prolific not even prolific necessarily but that like detailed with their backstory do you do you look for like a certain is there like a, a certain sweet spot for length i think honestly like about a page maybe half a page um is probably that sweet spot because when you get into like the three pages four pages that's really cool but when you have that much information yeah. It makes it hard to incorporate it because you already have such a song, a strong set of where you are in your whole story. It makes it hard to play with those details because it's so set. Um, so a, a half a page or a page or so is, is really good. And it's a lot easier for the DM to keep track of as well. <laughs> right. Because when someone sends in a page, because I've had a player turn in a page of, or like a, a thing of like four pages, I think it was. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I have to read all this and then have to yeah it's a whole thing which i'm so happy for that person like i love those kind of people in my in my campaigns because they because they they love the story too right 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 and so 
I don't discourage those players from playing with me. I encourage them to be a little more um, trusting as to me as a DM to to fill out some of the vague areas of their backstory. Gotcha, gotcha. Oh uh, yeah, that, no, that's that's good advice. I mean, you know, so thinking of like any new players out there who are listening to this, like don't don't you don't need to feel overwhelmed by your by creating a backstory uh even if you're someone who you know if you're if you're someone who loves to write then you probably don't have an issue but if you're someone who's never really uh taken time to write before um i think that's a great tip is just aim for like a half a page and just put in some of the more more important details obviously ask your dm if there's anything that they like specifically need but then like just just focus on a couple important like details instead of feeling like you have to write from the day you were born to the to to the present time, right? You know, great. I don't need the whole birth story. I'm good. <laughs> My great grandfather was. Uh. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> what is one of the most memorable backstories that either you crafted or one of your players crafted, and how was it used in the story to create a wow moment? Okay, so actually kind of funny that we mentioned this whole like length of the backstory as well because this is like the shortest backstory i've ever gotten okay and it was their character had amnesia and that was it like it was like a one sentence backstory of (laughs) i have amnesia i don't remember anything and that was so much fun to play with and it led to so many wow moments of just like she she discovered who she was and I, I got to peel that onion back slowly of just each new layer was something that she was learning as her character grew and so she learned about her character even though she had no idea what was going on and the the cool thing about that is this player was typically someone who would write like four pages of backstory but they just did the ah, I've got amnesia and so they've really just trusted me to go along with that and that made wow. for such a fun story and led to so many wow moments. It, it turned out like her sister was actually one of the other players who um, long, long sister that didn't know her. Like a, a, it was a younger sister who never met her older sister and didn't know who she was, but knew that there was someone out there. And so it turned out they had like this bonding moment, which was really cool because throughout the campaign, those two people had like started to gradually grow together anyways and then when i mentioned that oh they they were actually sisters they're like oh my goodness like this is a whole thing <laughs> that's magical yeah as a dm i would love if a player came to me and gave me that much agency over their backstory mm-hmm. i could have so much fun with that it's fun but it's also terrifying as a dm <laughs> like oh man if i make this someone they don't like i'm i'm done yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's true. I guess that, I guess that comes down to what you were saying, right? About your players, you know, hopefully your players find, you know, or, or, or sorry, hopefully your players are able to trust you as a DM to have like their best interest mm-hmm. and just, you know, you're going to listen to your players anyway. So worst case scenario, I guess if your players come back to you and they're just like, Hey, I don't really like where this is headed. You could always course correct, you know? Yes. <laughs> they have no idea if I change things or not. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Dude, open communication. Okay, tip number two for for the episode is open communication, everybody. Between DM and players, open communication is key to a great campaign. Absolutely. I am asking my players, like, things after every set, or maybe not every session, but, like, important sessions, I ask them, like, okay, how does your character react to this? Like, what's going on in their head? You know, how do they feel about this? What's their emotions at this moment? That kind of thing. Just 
I, I sent that all those questions out actually earlier today for from last session, but um, yeah, that's that's so important. Dude, absolutely. And now I've now I'm feeling bad because I haven't I have it's been a while since I've reached out to my players to be like you're having a good time. I'm just assuming because they laugh on Tuesday nights, but maybe maybe they're just laughing at me and the whole thing's just a joke on me and I don't know it. <laughs> it's actually funny because like one of these one of the communications I sent out was like, okay, I need everyone to be angry for this session. I need you to like your character is mad and like because of the things that are gone. So everyone came to the group like angry, but it was the best session ever. It was so fun. So I much, love that. Yeah, so much drama. It's like pre-gaming your players' emotions. Exactly. Exactly. And <laughs> you're like before you come in, punch a wall. <laughs> <laughs> Do a couple rounds, run up and stairs back a little bit and get a little angry, get a little uh ticked off with the world <laughs> sit in traffic for a couple hours uh, and then come to D&D and then come to D&D and you're going to have yeah. a great time I promise oh yeah and it was fantastic we we had a like it was one of those moments that everyone was so emotionally invested in the story of what was going on it was just it was magic cool man so do you allow your players to control parts of the the world um, like if their backstory gives them a reason to or or the story develops because of their backstory and they end up being like a ruler of like a country or something like that. Do you kind of allow that to happen or do you kind of try to keep that much agency out of the, out of the story? I absolutely, absolutely allow that. Um, I think that's a really cool way for the campaign to end in, in a way. Like if they end up as like kings or queens of this certain land or like very high respected servants of the king or something like that, and they have a sense of power. But I don't like that right off the bat. So, like, if you're a beginning character and you're like, I was a, a mayor of this town for so, well, maybe not a mayor, but like a, a king or ruler of this or that. I'm like, no, come on, let's start from the gutter. That rags to riches story is just so awesome to feel as the characters grow in their strength and their abilities. They also grow in notoriety and power within the world. And if at the end they end up having like a, a kingship or rulership over a community, I think that's awesome, and I'm all for that. In fact, my current campaign—they currently have started a um, pretty much a wine business, and it's only at one tavern now. But they're hoping to expand, and I think they're looking <laughs> for a ship to be able to do more shipments across um, different places. But it turns out they found this like really this local wine from a village, and as they were being as the village was being attacked by a dragon, they escaped. And they brought like this really rare local wine with them and one of the villagers. And so they brought it back to like the capital city and like, Hey, can you keep making this wine and we'll sell it to this tavern and they'll get a percentage of it. And the tavern was like super excited for it because this is like a, a, a mead that they've never had before. And it started selling like hotcakes and now they're like starting a whole business from it. And it, it's a whole thing. So yeah, it's fun. I love I love when your characters just end up owning businesses. Yeah, it's great. Good passive income. <laughs> yeah, and then you don't like it's just then it's just a good time. Yeah. All right, so I could keep talking for like hours on this, but let's yes. wrap it up here with one last question. Just it's going to be very general, uh but any other thoughts just in general on backstories? You know, backstories are not always on the part of the player right backstories are on the dm to create and to mold it is your job to 
take what the players give you and make it something exciting, make it something playable. And for me, it starts with building the world. If I don't know all the things in my world, but I know a good set of what my world looks like, and it it leaves me enough um, details to be able to add things in and be competent of what I'm doing, but enough vagueness in the setting of the world that anything can happen in this world. You know what I mean? So having a, a solid world for your players to be in is how you can best support their backstory. That's a great end right there. I think that is perfect and sums up the conversation perfectly and, and such a great like note to leave on. So dude, thank you so much for, for sharing your perspective on that. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, all right, well, let's jump into Monster Spotlight. All right, so welcome to the segment called Monster Spotlight. Today we're doing a version called Monster versus Monster. Uh, you have heard us do this before on this show and i am looking forward to the fight of a century because we are doing cr22 monsters again you all know me at this point i'm such a benevolent host that i always let my guest present their monster first so the crowd is there they're screaming they're roaring the ring is set it's gonna be a cage fight tonight i think that's gonna be better uh, to the death, Jonathan, who is walking out for your corner? I have got a character named Trobrand. 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 Okay. And he is a large construct. He looks like a skeleton who's wearing armor. Um, almost like a almost like a throwback to Mr. Freeze looking kind of character Ooh. from like way, way back. But he's got a skull instead of a, a regular face. He is armor class 20, natural, uh, hit points of 210, speed is 30 feet, so not the fastest thing, um, but he is, like, immune to everything. Really? Immune yeah. to everything, you say? Immune to fire, poison, psychic, bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing from non-magical attacks that aren't adamante. Okay. All right. I respect that. Menacing. Mm-hmm. Enters the cage. I just see him doing like a Absolutely. doing like the robot. Mm -hmm. That was supposed to sound like a robot, everybody. Sorry that I'm not a voice actor. Uh, curtain opens on my end and out walks the beautiful, the lovely, the awe-inspiring Bella Shira. A, uh, I was going to call it a demon, but it is a, an, an alien type race who not only is terrifying looking wearing this beautiful red evening gown with like, it looks like a corpse face and eyeballs just like floating around her head, many different eyeballs. Um, she's an alien race that enslaves beholders to do her bidding mm. living deep underground, uh, in Eberron entering the ring, the bell goes. So Belashar, I'll just give base stats here. We're looking at 19 armor class, 304 hit points, can fly and walk at 40 feet, uh, some damage resistances, some, some condition immunities, things like that, has some great legendary actions. And this is technically, I, I get away with this because 
she came out of her lair to fight this construct that you brought in. So she's normally mm-hmm. a 23, but out of her lair, she's a 22 CR. Oh. So a little sneaky. I got you. A little sneaky. Uh, and she's ready to she's ready to go. Uh, one of the first terrifying things I'll say is this, and maybe you know this doesn't affect a construct much, but it's said that when you look into her eyes, you see your own eyeballs staring back at you. So oh. that's creepy AF. Yeah. Uh, but g- give me give me some give me some of the, your your actions. Like, what can you what can you do to kind of bring me down? Uh, let's see here. Um, well, I've got a little spell here called Finger of Death. That's pretty dope uh it's a 78 plus 30 necrotic damage and if it if it kills you then you come back as your next turn as a zombie that is under my command dude that's pretty wicked a mm-hmm. robot with a with zombie zombie uh friends that fight for fight with them mm-hmm. that's amazing okay all right here's how i'm gonna counter that uh i'll go ahead and use my legendary action here called rend reality uh it rips at the it rips at the bonds of reality in the immediate area if you're within 10 feet of me you have to make a con saving throw of 22 or what if you fail you only take 3d12 force damage but you gain one level of exhaustion every time you're hit by this thing ah i'm uh i'm immune to exhaustion well okay then i won't be doing that and (laughs) instead you know, honestly, I don't know what's going to happen here. I I have a bunch of different eye rays. You know, I have like secret ray, reconstruction ray, domination ray. Maybe I'll just make you my slave by just like dominating you and charming you. I am uh, immune to being charmed, exhausted, frightened, paralyzed, petrified, or poisoned. Then maybe this person will, maybe <laughs> Belashar will just, okay, you know what? Maybe Belashar will just die a slow death. I don't, I think that it'll take you a little while to whittle me down. Maybe she'll just get bored and try to run away. <laughs> Yeah. You said you're you're immune to psychic damage. Mm-hmm. You're you're immune to psychic damage. Can you be blinded? Um I can be blinded. There you Done. go. There it All is. Right. I'm just gonna make you blind. I'm gonna render you blind and I'll just keep casting that over and over again until I'm out of spell slots and then I'm just gonna run away while you're blinded so that you just don't know where I went. Awesome. I'll go back into my <laughs> Such a coward! Such a cowardly way to like get out of it, just because you're gonna annihilate me if I don't. Yeah, well, you'd want to make sure you do that before I use my uh, my uh, spell of power word kill. Is that like instant death? Pretty much. If you have fewer than 100 hit points, you're dead. All right. Well, you know, I mean, I have 300 to start, so you know, I would have a little bit. I can, I can, I can take some damage there a few times before I blind you, mm-hmm. hoping that you just fail your con save or not your con save. Your oh yeah, your con save. Just over and over again. What's your what's your base con? My base con is plus five. Okay. All right. So I mean, you know, that's not bad. It's a con twenty two. So I, I might have a good chance of blinding you a few times. It's a possibility. It's a possibility. And if you don't, I uh, can use a uh, force cage. Uh, it's a cube shaped prison composed of magical force springs. Um. Yeah. Put you in a cage or power works done. I could use. Okay. Well. It seems like you have a lot of tricks up your sleeve, and so we'll just, we'll call it a draw. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't I can't go with a draw. I think this guy would kill you. <laughs> I I have to be like adamant about this thing because this character I saw him, and I was like, no way is this guy a level 22, like or a, 
uh, challenge rating 22 because he like you can't touch him and he has like so many things that, like he just says a word and you're freaking dead like he's insane that is insane and i just don't i don't want to come across him yeah i don't either but you know we'll link him in the show notes and we'll still put a poll out there so listeners you can still vote if you can think of a way that belashar can win this fight please tell me or at least just make it a draw most likely i'm gonna die Again, unless I my strategy works and I can blind and run, you know, because let's see, you just you live to fight another day. She's not too proud, right, to just know that she has to live to fight another day, <laughs> right. Uh, cool, dude. Thank you so much for indulging my monster, my monster uh, love, uh, a little bit. Um, let's go ahead and move on to the DM tip of the episode. <laughs> all right so jonathan before we say goodbye um one thing i always ask all of my guest dms is to bring me a dm tip that either is about today's topic or just a topic of DD in general life in general whatever so what is your tip for the episode i have so many one of my biggest things that i've came across about three, four years ago was a website called Asgard's fantasy map generator. And it has changed the way I do D and D. Um, it essentially generates a map for your campaign. That's completely editable. Like you can, you can change and customize everything on here, the names of everything, but it is so incredibly detailed. Like it, it brings up a beautiful map to begin with, but then as you zoom in, you find out it already has been populated with cities, rivers, roads, forests, cultures, languages, like kingdoms and how they're set up. Like everything is in there. And it is so fascinating. I, when I first found this, I, I kid you not, I played on this website for like a month just figuring everything out. And there's still like so much more that I can do with it. But if, like I said, creating a backstory all the way always goes back to the world like having a solid world and this is so perfect for that because it has everything you need to have a solid set for your world but there's so much that you can add to it and when your characters come up and say hey i want to be from this kingdom you can just like zoom in and be like oh here's a random town that was auto-populated here you can come from this town or this island and you can create a whole story off of that and um there's so much information. It's so awesome. And it keeps you on track as a DM. Like I'm comfortable with letting my players just go and do anything because I have a world that they can play in. That's so cool. And you did show me this website. And when you showed it to me, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the coolest. I had never seen it before. So it really opened up my eyes uh, on how to you know, use it for creation for world stuff. It it do it's such a great website. It's thank you so much for bringing it up. Absolutely. Uh, we'll definitely link to it in the show notes so that you guys have a direct link to get to this fantasy map generator. Um, and what's really cool is as Jonathan was showing me is that you can save that map and then export it out, and then you just have a map that you can give your players. And uh, it's it's so cool. Mm-hmm. And if I could add the the coolest thing about all that is it's free, completely free don't have to pay a dime for it you can't beat free no you can't at not at all like uh, that's amazing 
Well, dude, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to come talk to us, man. I loved having you here and I loved the conversation. It was great. So, you know, we have, at the top, we kind of mentioned that you do some graphic design, you do photography. Where can people reach out to you if they want to talk to you about that or about D&D in this episode? Where, the, where the can they find you? So all the above, you can find me on Instagram for my photography and or DMing as well. At It's at JN Design number four, letter U. So JN Design for you. Awesome, dude. And we'll definitely link that in the show notes as well. So people can just copy, paste that into Instagram and find you. Um, thank you once again for being here, dude. I really appreciate it. It's a great conversation. Yeah, dude. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, man. You're awesome. And I, I look forward to playing with you sometime. Dude, a- absolutely. Let's do it. Let's do it. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode of Everyday Dungeon Master. If you enjoyed today's show, please go out and give us a follow on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. And if you feel inclined to drop us a rating and a review, we always appreciate that. Also, if you're a DM out there or a player and you want to connect with me, uh, maybe you want to be on the fu- a future episode of the show or you just want to connect in general about a topic or anything else, just you know, give me a holler. Tell me how much you love or hate the show. It doesn't matter. I love connecting with everybody. Uh, you can reach me at everydaydungeonmaster at outlook.com or on Facebook and Twitter at everydaydmpod. Happy gaming nerdy adventures. Until next time, this is Heath signing off. Talk to you later. So give us one of the most memorable. I just started like doing that. <laughs> My brain I thought, is. I thought you had a seizure for a moment. I was like, dude, you okay? Please come back. <laughs> My brain's working at like, like three times the speed of my mouth. Uh, that that post COVID brain. That's what it yeah, is. Seriously, dude. Seriously. It's, it's real. All right. Post COVID's real. real. <laughs>